hope you're doing well. My name is Anahita Sen, and I'm a co-facilitator of the M&A Stories YouTube podcast, which is brought to you by Fifth Grown Business Insights. Welcome to season three. The theme of this season is culture and its impact on M&A integration. Culture is one of the biggest challenges that face an M&A integration. And this challenge couldn't get any bigger as more companies are pursuing M&A based on people in culture. That is why it is important to understand, internalize, respect, and develop a clear plan of action on how to handle culture in M&A. In this season, we will be interviewing industry leaders from across the globe to hear their stories on how they address culture in an M&A integration. So here we go with today's episode. Welcome to another episode of M&A Stories on Culture. Today's guest is somebody who now runs a successful consulting company that focuses on helping employees after layoff. Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me a pleasure to invite Summer Hilliard to the conversation today. Hey, Summer, how's it going? Uh, so far, so good. It's still pretty early here in the Seattle area. So let's start our conversation today. Maybe we start with a brief introduction of Summer, who you are and what is it that you do? Sure. So right now I have been full-time doing consulting work. And the main focus, and I'll call it a passion project of mine, is helping people who've been laid off uh, from their roles. And that's especially true here in the United States after COVID and I'll say the developments of AI tools and um, lack of, of follow through in some areas. But certainly we've seen a, a fair share of layoffs. And so my passion right now is helping other people who have been through a layoff recently, helping them understand how they're going to uh, budget for the near term, short term and long term, um, and then kind of reestablish some new goals and get them out back into the either the job marketplace or starting their own business. Excellent, excellent. And I know that you know getting laid off is a very uh, touchy topic, but it's a topic that uh, accompanies a lot of integrations. And, and I know uh, from experience, my own experience, as well as what I've heard um, from other practitioners, is that many companies botch it up. Um, they do a fairly bad job of laying off people. Uh, what's been your experience so far? So from my experience, and especially as, as, since about September of last year, a lot of big companies um, who have really just started to lay off their employees to downsize pretty significantly in the tens of thousands are doing it via email, which it just doesn't honor the people that are working there. And it certainly doesn't honor the people that are left to hold the bag of all the, the work that's still there. Uh, there is also some just general observational things that are a driving force, like what if I'm next? Uh, and so I've seen a lot of people reaching out, even that are still employed and working at some of those companies, and saying like, hey, I don't want to be the next person who's the number, who's come who's come up next in the business case that says, I'm no longer needed at this company, even though I've worked there for 10 years. So I have seen an influx of individuals coming to me that are still employed, uh, even though 
you know, so a lot of their peers were laid off in prior rounds of layoffs. And so that's been a real focus area for me and making sure that I'm nurturing and caring for those people as well, because man, the, the culture is just toxic in some cases for the people that are left behind and the people that it's left a sour taste in their mouth because they got, you know, laid off by an email, not even a conversation. Right. Um, so that's great. Yeah. And, and that I find so distasteful, mm-hmm. um, you know, literally sending out an email and the moment you've read the email, your system access gets cut off. It's like, what was that all about? You know, for the last 10, 20, whatever number of years, you know, maybe it's two months, the company trusted me and then they couldn't even have the decency to at least have a conversation with me. You know, I know that companies need to be tough and, you know, it's tough times and they need to lay off people. I'm sure there is a way to handle that. So, which is why when you said what you kind of said is that it is quite common to have that sort of a practice. That's disheartening. That's disheartening. So, um, let's talk about the help that you offer. Sure. Uh, first, I have to say that having been part of a layoff myself before, um, there's, I'll call it the five stages of grief you go through, right. especially when your work was your core. Yes. Like things that, because I mean, you spend more time at work than you do with your family right. in some cases. Right. And so you take and, and you've, you know, spilled your heart, I'll say, uh, trying to do that. So after people kind of get over that initial shock and disbelief and they have all they come to the realization that now they need to get their act together. And even if they were working someplace for 25 years, the things that I'm focusing on are, hey, what's next? Like, have you really thought through, do you want to continue doing the same job function or the same role? Or do you want to pivot and do something else? Uh, so I have a, a kind of a, my from my own experience, I created a guide that helps people determine what do you want to do next and right. use that as like a springboard. Um, sure. And then you can also, uh, one of the other things that I offer is uh, coaching and resume reviews and interview prep, uh, all those things that kind of will help lead them to whatever they want to do next. It has very little to do with me, but I can use my career as a hiring manager to help point out things like on their resume or their LinkedIn profile or their um, career path and their goals. Like what do they want out of it? And then also underlying that because people are going through um, usually a dramatic shift in income. Right. as part of that, helping lay some foundational goals and tips and tricks that they can start to implement right away. Because uh, for whatever reason, I mean, we've just seen a significant amount of talent being let go. And so there's a plethora of people in the marketplace and people are really having to do a shakedown on their finances and go, "Where, where can I cut back? And so that's also... I'll say I have a holistic approach to there's a lot that goes into when you're impacted by a layoff to how do I get to the next thing? What is that next thing? Do I want to pivot and go out on my own? What does that look like? Yep. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, sometimes, sometimes you need these uh, trigger points in your life to make uh, a pivot uh, from what you've been doing in the past, uh, uh, and uh, you know, and what you want to do it in the future. I think what you're doing is 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 very uh, noble because uh, literally that's a time um, in people's life when they're at crossroads that they need that helping hand, they need that guiding force. Um, to steer them in the right direction, and not everybody becomes an entrepreneur. Not everybody goes back to the job. It's it's a it's a point uh, of time to reflect on things. Going back to the layoff period, what is the challenge if the companies don't do it properly? Sure. So some of the challenges that I've seen have been resulting in poor, um, I'll say, work. <laughs> of the people that are left when right. either they didn't get the proper training or transition plan documented. Um, other areas I see as challenges is really the people who left and had that bad experience, i.e. let's just say that the email um, was the only way that they knew that they were laid off. Sure. Um, those people are your brand. They've right. been working for you for you know, a few years or, or whatever. And they were invested in your company as right. an employee. And now, now that you separated on, I'll say on bad terms, it's much easier to not bad mouth, but I have seen some of that, like it's a really crappy feeling. And one of our normal human defense mechanisms is yes. to, is to throw up the, um, <laughs> A retaliation card, like, Correct. and say, like, oh, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to buy from that company. And I, they think, I think everything that they do now from here on out is horrible. Right. Um, so it it can really leave a lasting um, impression both on the employees that are staying and, the, and make that environment toxic. Because as I mentioned earlier, the the people that are left behind, they either have more work. They don't know if they're next. They're right. dread. It, it's kind of like dreading the next day, the next month. What what's that cycle look like for that particular company? Um, and it it really can hinder a lot of success for right. a business when they don't put people first. Correct, um, correct. And and it's quite natural, <laughs> isn't it? Because literally, I mean, I'm just playing out the scene there, right? So there are a bunch of people who have been informed by email that they've been laid off. And then there are these other people uh, who have not been. And in many cases, they're not even informed of anything, you know? So it's like you and me, our colleagues, I got laid off, but you didn't, and you don't know what happened. And I don't have access to the system. So for me, natural thing is, Summer, hey, I got this, this email from the company. This is what has happened. Um, are you aware of anything? And then you're like, no, I'm not. And then this immediate thing of us and them that gets created. But more importantly, you start questioning yourself or you get into the panic mode. Did the email come to me as well? Did it go through the spam folder? Was it missed out? Did this misspell my name? You know, and then this sense of anxiety stays on because nobody told you that you're not going to be next in line. Or no, nobody tells you that you're not going to be next in line, and you don't know what goes on. You know that's that's that must be a really dreadful feeling. A lot of the companies, um, remaining employees of the companies, that must be there. 
Absolutely. And those those individuals who have seen entire teams just wiped out right. uh, are the ones that are out looking for a job. They're like, I don't want to be the next person. Nobody wants to be the next person. Right. And, and to know that you're, I'll say, dispensable, even though you kind of have it in the back of your mind, <laughs> sure. companies have to make business decisions, but also like how we can play a part in that is really important. <clears throat> right. Right. Now, people talk about culture, and that's also the theme of this particular um, episode, um, uh, this particular season as well. Culture plays an important role in um, an m and transaction, in an integration. And making people redundant often is a part of an integration. How does the two pieces, how do the two pieces come together? From my perspective, and uh, somewhat with the basis of experience in different areas of mergers and acquisitions, you're right, there is a, a set of redundancy job job functions that are made redundant and eliminated. Uh, some do in part for like the job function itself is identical to the two companies perhaps coming together. Um, or in a particular joint venture agreement, it's it's said that like, this person will be the, the lead of the company, this person will be doing this job function. And uh, as a parting way, there are jobs that are eliminated. Um, where it comes into the cultural pieces, depending on if the company who is doing the mergers and acquisition, I'll say with the other company in mind, are they... Um, doing their, I'll say, due diligence related to the cultural aspect. If it's a cross-border transaction, um, like in the U.S. or the U.K. or U.S. and pretty much anywhere else, <laughs> um, sure. is the is the company that is doing the mergers and acquisitions are they considering the the people side of the equation, right. i.e. the how the business culture is in that particular location, um, right. understanding the tools that they need in order to facilitate the transaction, um, not just making it a money play or like we have to do this because we've decided to do this merger and acquisition, sure. rather more so like, okay, here's the, um, the job roles, here's how in that particular country, the culture around business etiquette is considered. Um, have we thought of X, Y, and Z to help make this as easy as possible? Right. And then incorporate that into the baseline for how they proceed with the mergers and acquisitions. Right. Um, <clears throat> so culture absolutely is a is a underpin for the, that foundation that you need in order to have a successful M&A because sure. every company without its people is just a shell. So yeah. it has to be, in my personal opinion, the focus area is culture and people first because right. then you're going to drive brand, you're going to drive how people communicate about you and your company and it shouldn't be an afterthought. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Now let's play it out, the culture part 
uh, when it comes to cost synergies, when it comes to people redundancies, right? I mean, there are those people uh, who will talk about uh, people redundancies as uh, the inevitable part of an integration. There will be some people who are going to lose their jobs. Um, and at the end of the day, these people are going to exit the system. So instead of spending a lot of money and focus and effort in that area, we should put more focus and effort and money on the remaining employees, on the cultural aspects of the remaining employees. Is there a better way of doing it? Is there a good way of doing it where you can have a balance? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd say this is the toughest of them all um, because it is a balance, right? You, as, as a business owner myself, there's things that you focus on for for cost management. And then there's things that you focus on because you care about the people that work for you and, and have a little bit of uh, grace. And I think you can do both. Right. And it doesn't have to cost very much. Sure. To make sure that people who are whose jobs are eliminated or redundant, um, that they still are treated, seen, heard, feel, felt, and appreciated. That yeah. doesn't take um, more than a conversation and right. willingness to help them find their way after their job is made redundant. Right. Um, and help them be be their guide and, and helper. A cheerleader, if you will, to to get them over to whatever's next for them. Sure. Um, so I think you can do that very minimal cost to right. doing that, but yeah. it is it does take purposeful action to create that environment. Right. And then you can. I'm not going to say refocus on the employees that are left as uh, after the M and A transaction is complete. Mm -hmm. But also along the journey, say, hey, here's how we took care of those employees whose roles were made redundant. Mm. And it actually will help settle that stress a little bit um, that is induced by that we've talked about recently, just in that those people who are left are like, oh, I really hope my job isn't next. Sure. Uh, what if next month I was part of the cost reductions and I right. didn't know it? Like, um, so you can actually set yourself up for success, even if you need to continue to do more layoffs. You can actually say, "Here, I'm going to be as transparent as possible. These are, um, I want to give you the opportunity to go have uh, initial interviews with a different company." Or, "Hey, I thought about you when I saw this." opportunity and it allows them to kind of get an underlying sense that maybe their job is um is potentially at risk or being really really transparent which i appreciate myself is Mm -hmm. hey in the next month or two we're really going to have to cinch our our belts um we anticipate that there's going to be x number of uh redundancies made in this company And just sharing that and saying if there's specific job functions as a whole that are being targeted for those uh, reductions that you kind of kind of get more clear on the purpose of communication with the people that are left and how you took care of the people that already did leave. Because then you're setting your company up for success. You're saying I'm transparent. Here's my communication plan. Here's how we took it from X, Y, and Z and got our cost reductions. 
and took care of our people because it's a yes and not a oh by the way you're gone right and version right what are some of the better practices you know now you've been involved with several companies what are some of the best practices examples sure so i would say some of the best practices that i've seen have been around one putting culture first giving the people who are on the deal um, proper tools and training. Um, right. So an example would be using GlobeSmart. Uh, it's a helpful tool to understand a little bit. It's not perfect, right? Anything that's uh, cultural has that. What has was a, the tool called? Uh, GlobeSmart. GlobeSmart, a, okay. Yeah. It, and I would say definitely using that tool can help level set how um, typical business culture or interactions um, should be in that particular location right. around the globe. Um, right. So I think that was the best practice that I have seen at one company. Sure. Um, a, another one is making sure that there is a, I'll call it an exit strategy for mm-hmm. people. Um, not necessarily, I would say, I haven't heard of the bonuses uh, version that you just mentioned, but things like having a, um, a, a, I'll say a financial plan or something to that effect that says, hey, as a company, we'll cover your benefits for 90 days. Uh, Benefits, especially for those who have families and they're the, or they're the primary sole breadwinner, um, medical and dental and all the things, those are really expensive items. And so having a benefits plan or understanding of what that looks like, I have seen what I call the the golden parachute. (laughs) Like if you want to take early retirement, we used to call that the golden parachute uh, at one of the companies that I had worked for. And it was like an incentive for you to go ahead and just click the button that you were no longer going to work at the company. And if you did it within that certain time period, you actually got um, that oh, there were the golden handshake or, or right. whatever. You, you got a little payout for being first. Yes. Um, at one of the other companies, we had uh, voluntary layoffs. And one of the ways that was kind of pitched was like, hey, you're saving somebody else from Correct. being laid off. And so it's sort of a, a feel good win. Yes. Um, especially if you've got something else lined up or or can tee up something fairly quickly. It's it's a way to say, like, I I hear what you're saying. The costs need to come down. Um, your focus is on the payroll and the taxes and the benefits of reducing that particular position. Uh, but it does actually leave a really good flavor sure, correct. <laughs> in someone's mouth. Um as a as a way to do it right yeah yeah um, no, absolutely and, and you know it, it is it is a tough uh action whosoever does it you know uh, when it comes to making people redundant especially when it comes to MA, because um it's a period of anxiety period of uncertainty for people and then uh if you have to also announce layoffs it, it's a tough time we understand but at the same time, we also know that there is a better way of doing it and a worse way of doing it. So, uh, you know, thanks for articulating some of the examples that people 
can potentially use for you know better approaches of doing it now um taking it forward um you know especially when you coach people when you mentor people during that period and i just want to cite an example one of my very close friends um that person had spent about close to two decades working in the corporate world and could never imagine that this person's role would be made redundant and uh, but when it actually happened um initial days were like you know what this is not right this is how can this company do it on me um but that person got some coaching from uh, somebody like you and then that person turned an entrepreneur and then that person was like you know i wish this had happened to me earlier i wish um, exactly yeah you know and 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 he he is grateful that it actually happened with him because otherwise he could have he would have maybe just you know continued in his corporate career um are there some these some of these magic moments or some of these magic wisdom words that you use uh saying how life can be great um how life can be full of opportunities if you were to look at the right places i mean what's your magic mantra that you often use with these people <laughs> well i have to say it it really varies a little bit and the sure. reason why i say that it it does is because people are depending on where they are in that version of truth for them right um in that i'll say the grieving cycle too right it if you haven't gotten to the point where what you're like okay deep breath i can move on from this i can learn from this as an experience um in my own particular situation my mantra was i know i can do better right i know what i want and how i'm going to go get that information or talent or skill or whatever right and i was i i am was one of those people sure. i spent 10 <laughs> to 20 years in the corporate world right before i decided to pivot and become an entrepreneur yeah. was i scared heck yeah sure. <laughs> um <laughs> but i think um you know we we can all learn to do different things and have different talents that we bring to the table right so if you're at a point when you are trying to make that decision whether you want to continue being in the corporate world that's great if you want to continue um it, or if you want to change and go into do your own thing be your own boss it does also take a level of dedication and sure. so it's making sure that if you are at that place where you have this great opportunity in front of you and um, you know at first a layoff does not seem like a great opportunity right and um, and it can be though and so it's really a mindset a mind shift change sure. to rethink your your life like yeah. i spent 20 years in the corporate corporate world and now being my own boss being a consultant um allows me the freedom to do things that i couldn't have done in the corporate world absolutely uh, so it's really again where you are in the journey but my mantra was you know is 
do what you do best and forget about the rest. Um, so if I had to sum it up, that that's what I would leave you with. <laughs> sure, sure. No, absolutely. And I'm going to come back to this point uh, of life, uh, of your life uh, in just a sec. Now, there are companies that have to go through this process uh, of uh, laying off people. Um, what's a good starting point for them? And what are the do's and don'ts that these uh, some of these leaders need to take into consideration? And um, for the people, are you? Uh, I mean, um, there are people who will be, the yeah, there'll be people who will be asked to do these let's say, uh, to do these uh, actions, uh, you know, they, they could be HR managers, they could be uh, line managers or functional heads or operational heads who need to lay off people. Um, and uh, um, and they this may be the first time they're actually doing it as part of an MA. Um, what would be some of the do's and don'ts that you would advise them? Uh, okay. What would be a good starting point for them? Yeah. Great. Um, so the first list I'll say of dues would be do schedule some time to and more time than you think that you need and sure. um, to sit down with an employee. I will say at the end of the week, <laughs> like right. business week, so that it's not like the middle of the week and you're giving them some crappy news and then like the next three days are just a waste or something. Sure. Um, so the do would be definitely schedule time to meet with that individual. Right. Um, and make sure that they understand that the topic is, uh, be clear about the topic, right? right. It's not just a, a normal one-on-one -on -one with your manager or HR person. And to be frank, if an HR person is scheduling a meeting with me on a Friday, I'm pretty sure it's not good news. Yeah. Um, but also don't put it on so early that um, there's so much anxiety leading up to that meeting that right. they really start to uh, feel yes. really insecure about their role. So there's a balance there. Um, right. But the do is sit with the employee, talk with them. Um, maybe even um, I used to do walking one-on-ones with my employees. Sometimes movement helps get a little bit of the stress out and anxiety sure. out. Um, maybe not even do it at a place of business. Take, you know, taking them somewhere else or nearby to a coffee shop or uh, not to a coffee shop or, or just something to um, make it more private and sure. say, here's an example um, and that the layoff really has nothing to do with their performance. Right. Yeah. Now there is an element, right. In some, uh, many cases where you are being racked and stacked against all your peers. Right. So, but at the point at which you're being laid off, that's not the thing that you want to hear. Right. Yeah. Um, it's the, if the job is literally being made redundant because of an M and A, it is not your performance that was the dictator for this Correct. event. Correct. Yeah. So I think that's a definite do is, is sharing very explicitly what they are doing really well is also another, uh, not a form of flattery, but it allows them to feel seen, heard and appreciated. Sure. And those are, those are key things for people. 
Yeah. And then I would say my last don't is yeah. don't do this in a public space next to their peers. Right. Right. And um, because I know personally, even though um, it, it it's a hard transaction, doing it where other people can hear you, uh, you don't have time or, or place to cry or get the emotions out yeah. that's going to be um really really difficult and like you just gonna sit in a conference room maybe for the rest of the day i have right. no idea um sure. but those are something if you're gonna do it at the office do it in a place that is private and that is available for that employee to stay longer and be there to help them because it is hard right um, yeah. no doubt about it yeah no absolutely absolutely uh, get that now let's talk about your own personal experience you know when uh, you were made redundant you said you just the one of the ways that you kind of kept up your spirit was you know you, you can do more you are more valuable or something that you kept repeating in your head were there tools or books or music or other things that got you motivated to Sure. So I went really headstrong into exercise okay. <laughs> <laughs> as like when it gets my energy out, but, um, two, I, it allowed me to, uh, it was actually the first time I'd started listening to podcasts Right. Uh, was when I was laid off. I have always been a big fan of personal development books. I've got, you know, Stephen Covey books and, you know, <laughs> Yes, yeah, seven <laughs> highly effective seven habits, habits like, yeah. <laughs> that we can do as teenagers, even. So I've given sure. that to my kids. Yeah. Um, so I think um, for sure the Lean In book by um, I'm going to butcher it. <laughs> I ha- it's called Lean In. It's the title, right? Okay. And it was about like women and business and really leaning into um, our ability as individuals to contribute to a greater cause and so that was one book definitely the Stephen Covey books uh, as well as like just listening to personal development podcasts so I listened to um Shalene Johnson so she has two two different podcasts um that I listened to one was more focused on a little bit more of like general personal development and she kind of covers the gamut of things Right. And then the the second one is how to build your business. So it's called right. build, build, yeah, like driving force in how to do online, um, online business, right. really, and how to use social to grow your space. So that was super interesting. I've taken a lot of that to heart um, right. in how I move forward in my own business and how I keep. But I also keep my costs low because I'm using uh, things that are free. Um, yeah. But those were those are some of my examples where uh, both books and podcasts have really helped me get through. And I use that every day when I'm exercising as just, you know, somebody talking in my ear, telling sure. me things that I could do that day that will help me move me forward. Yeah, no, those are excellent insights. And in fact, uh, I so closely relate to those because literally um, there are podcasts that I listen in the morning um, to sort of get my day going. It's it's essentially 
um, mobilizing myself. It's activating your brain cells uh, to get ready for the day. And, uh, um, you know, some of the podcasts can really be helpful. Um, for the listeners and viewers, we're going to put the link to those books and the podcasts in our description, the show notes of uh, this podcast. Um, we're kind of approaching uh, the uh, end of our uh, scheduled time. But before we go, I wanted to ask you a couple of rapid fire questions. Um, what is the nastiest thing that you've seen when it comes to MA? Ooh, bureaucracy. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would say uh, bureaucracy in that people are are not putting people first. Right. And that it's just part of whatever the joint venture agreement is or whatever the acquisition terms are and saying, we're going to do this whether you like it or not. Um, and instead of having it be more collaborative between the parties. Um, so that would definitely be what I think is the top. Excellent, excellent. And was there something that you saw uh, in MA that was really moving positively, that had a very positive impact uh, on you, on, on your thinking? I would definitely go with what, how the people were meant to feel appreciated or heard. Um, and, and the ability to sit down and have that conversation, even though they know it's tough. Uh, that would be something I've seen done really well. That's really inspiring. Thanks for sharing that. Um, now, you mentioned that there is a freebie uh, that people can avail of. Um, so maybe it's it, this is the time when you can unpack it. What, what's that freebie? Sure. So it is a, a guide to determine what's next in your career. And it's pretty comprehensive. Uh, it's Some of it's a list of questions that you can do a little Q&A introspectively, almost like journaling. And say, like, these are the, the top things I like about what I liked about the company I was working for. These are the things that I want to do in the future. These are the things that bring me joy and make me happy and light me up at the, at the end of the day. Um, these are like my must-haves and my my not-so-must-haves. Um, that's certainly not the, the uh, all of what's in that guide, but it also talks about um, some resources, it has some links in it that you can use to uh, set yourself up for success after a layoff. And if you're interested in checking that out, that is, uh, again, it's free, um, is at, found at www.afterlayoff.com. So hopefully pretty straightforward, but it is a, a comprehensive guide. You can do it in a couple of hours. Um, and then you can use some of the resources and, and start to move that forward. Cool. And we're definitely going to give that link in our show notes. Um, one last question. Layoffs is becoming more of a reality um, as we see more often companies go through this process. Uh, layoff is not a good experience at whosoever goes through it. And yet I find... A lot of people are not ready uh, or not, um, let's say, I don't want to call it experience. I'm saying that there is a certain level of preparedness 
to be able to handle layoffs, right? Is there something that people should now be thinking about that's saying, whenever I have a layoff, how do I get myself more prepared? Um, as and when it happens, I'll be ready for that. Is there something like that that you could potentially share uh, with our listeners and viewers today? Sure. So from my perspective, um, being prepared is is the battle. It's not half the battle. It is the battle. Right. <laughs> uh, and the more you get yourself ready uh, now in the event, uh, creating, I'll say, both a financial plan. What do you want to do? Um, starting, I'll say, a side hustle or something that kind of gets your your income supplemented so you have more than one stream of income uh, in the event that you're laid off, uh, creating an emergency savings plan uh, as much as possible, kind of making that more routine, and building really smart goals. So the SMART framework, you know, being specific and measurable, actionable, and you, you can go in and you can really figure it out before it happens to you. Right. And and leave a little bit of that stress and anxiety that will come should your name be picked for the next layoff series sure. or the round up, you know, that roundup layoffs. Um it, it's the best thing I can say is don't ever think that your company is gonna be the one looking out for you because it could just be that you're dexed up. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and this is so, so true because uh, I've seen even in my own career where the company needed it, they would bend over backwards. But when I was not in the, you know, the favorite list, they would just drag the heels there, right? So uh, it's it's not unusual at all. Um, I'm sure many of our viewers and listeners may want to have a conversation with you. What's the best way that they can get in touch? Uh, definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, I can provide you the link to that. Uh, that's one avenue. Reach out to me via message there. Uh, another one is through the afterlayoff.com. That'll automatically send me an email to alert me that you're interested in the guide and you'll have um, a little bit of background and context on on that and a way to connect with me there. Excellent. We are going to put these details again in the description box. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, uh, she's known as Summer H in LinkedIn. Uh, <laughs> so there's a story, but that's for another day. Um, make sure that you put some message. You know, LinkedIn does allow you when you send a contact from your desktop or your laptop, not from your mobile phones, but from your desktop or a laptop, that you can actually add note on who you are or what do you want to connect uh, with the person. So please do so. Um, and uh, uh, Summer is a treasure trove of information and uh, insights, especially when it comes to layoffs and, and linked to M&A. Ladies and gentlemen, it was a pleasure having Summer as our guest today. Thank you so much, Summer, for joining us. Absolutely. And it was a pleasure being here. Thank you. Excellent. So for the rest of us, uh, viewers and listeners, stay healthy, stay safe in whatever part of the world you're in. And here's to promise a winning culture. Did you like today's content? If yes, then don't forget to hit the like button. 
If you heard something interesting, then don't forget to share it with your network and friends. And last but not least, please support us on this journey to spread awareness on topics related to M&A and integration by subscribing to our channel. That's all for now. Stay healthy and see you next time. And if you like this session, I'm sure you'll also like our latest new tool. It is a quick assessment scorecard to assess the robustness of your culture integration capabilities in M&A. It just takes less than five minutes to answer. It is for free and you get instantaneous assessment. So visit culturema.scoreapp.com. That's C-U-L-T-U-R-E-M-A dot dot com and find out for yourself. I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. This show was sponsored by Fifth Chrome, a business strategy advisor in a training company specializing in M&A, post-merger integration, and business strategy. 